You're listening to the Geek Watch Podcast, Episodes 8, with your host, Brian Hatcher and Mandy Petrie. Podcast. My name is Brian Hatcher, and with me as always, Geek Watch's own resident geek goddess, Mandy Petri. Hi, Brian. Hey, Mandy. So, <laughs> you have just now, you've uh, just uh, come... Um, Absolutely, literally, not figuratively, the actual, you know, term of literally, walked straight. out of the movie theater, into my car, and drove over here from The Last Jedi. All right, so what yes. did you think? Well, of course, I loved it, but you know, as always, I love, I love so many things. You know, so mm-hmm. it's hard for me to think critically on it. <laughs> but um, you know, it it has been out for uh, you know over a week now. It, right. So having all the the build up, all the you know arguments and stuff, like I went in thinking about these things. Uh, I heard, oh, there's Porg overload, and there's so many twists and all these things. So I guess going in thinking, oh, no, I'm going to be overloaded with Porgs, I thought the Porgs were fine. I think they were, I guess, tastefully done. I don't know what the... Well, certainly, the good... if, you're, certainly if you're Chewbacca, you thought they were tasteful. <laughs> oh, that's so sweet. Oh, so, so speaking of which, there are, uh, I think we are going to do spoiler on this one. Okay. I mean, at, at this point, I think, if you haven't, if you haven't seen it by now, um, shut this off. Turn go, it off. Yeah, Hit shut off calls. the podcast. Go, go watch it and mm-hmm. then come back. But uh, so now that since the bloom is still on the rose, you're sort of <laughs> basking in the afterglow. Yes. Uh, I'm, I'm guessing you enjoyed it. Oh, of course, yes, absolutely. And uh, you know, it's very rare that I even go see movies. And uh, there are, I think I've seen just as many movies all by myself in the theater. Not not by myself in the theater, but I went without any friends or anything. As I have seen movies with friends mm-hmm. and i'm i'm okay with that um but you know i got to watch this by myself and i laugh very loud i'm like a human laugh track and <laughs> uh so i sometimes worry about disturbing the people in the movie theater but when i laugh at things then i think they realize it's okay to laugh at them because I, I i tell you i mean there were so many just laugh out loud moments right from the beginning and uh the i'm waiting on I'm I'm waiting on General Hux. Um, I'm still waiting. Um, I just uh, I just loved it. It was that, that was just great great dialogue. Quick, you know. I I, I just loved that. Oh yeah. Well, you know, unfortunately for Hux, he doesn't shoot first. Because um, there were there was that there was that moment where you thought he was going to. Well, uh, to poor Ginger General. Poor he Ginger just General. got the crap kicked out of him right all through this movie yeah i mean if you are a general ginger general fan uh you know just go in ex- go into this movie expecting that yeah, exactly <laughs> uh, so uh, of course uh uh, Kevin Pauly and I went to see it about a week ago, and we did a review on it. Yes, uh, and I avoided it because I knew that I was going to go see it, so I didn't watch your review on it. Which is interesting because, and this is something that I think I mentioned to you before, we didn't really go into a lot of details about the movie because it's very difficult to talk about this movie, even critically, without really just going into spoilers because mm-hmm. there's just so much in it. And I, a lot of the reviews I saw online 
uh, were kind of in the same situation. They're like, it's very difficult to review this because you can say, well, I, I felt this way and that way. Uh, but you can't explain why you felt that way unless you start really going yeah. into the plot. And this this was a very kind of a thick plot. I, there's I, so much story. Yes. There's yeah, a, someone had, had told me, you know, there's enough story in this movie to make up its own trilogy. And I could see that. I mean, um, thinking about in Stranger Things, okay, right. the Netflix series, right. there are three different stories going on. There's a monster movie, there's a mystery, and then there's a coming-of-age drama. And so it was almost like that. And this one movie had all these storylines, you know, not just one storyline with interconnected characters. There were these, everyone had their own story going on. Right, right. Yep. And, well, I mean, one thing I can definitely say, and this was something that I that I said when on the on the uh, real deal review with Kevin was one thing I really enjoyed about the new Star Trek was uh, Star Trek Star I Wars know. sorry that, that that's one point that that's a, no, that's no, a, no because one, uh, I'll I'll bring up something here in a second about the Laura Dern character and right, yeah right. just uh, but the, the one thing that um that I thought was interesting how the the story's kind of changing with Star Wars is that Star Wars traditionally has been a very black and white kind of a movie the the Jedi are good, the Sith mm-hmm. are bad. It's very black and white, very good versus evil, and it was really Lord of the o- Rings, ugly very, people bad, pretty people good. <laughs> very, I mean, it was very obvious whose side you were on. And in the original trilogy, for all of its, you know, all of its shortcomings and all of its fault, it was starting to kind of lean away from that a little bit. Now with this new trilogy, especially with uh, this installment of Star Wars, we have. We were really the the differences between good and bad. This whole Sith versus Jedi, you know, we're starting to see some levels of gray. In other words, the storytelling is becoming a little more sophisticated. Yes. It's you know, I mean, even the the Rebels versus the First Order. You're still you're starting to see this, um, especially especially when you're dealing with the arms dealers. And it's like they're selling weapons to both sides of the conflict. Mm-hmm. So it's like, well... And, yeah, and and you see that. And, uh, I love that when Rose says, I want to punch a hole through this city. And man, and she gets to. And that, that was fantastic. And oh, it's, yeah. It's so... I don't, I don't even know how to describe it. But uh, yeah, it's not... Um, like even when, when Luke is talking about to think that the Jedi own the Force... That's arrogant, and that was ultimately their downfall. Is that they're the only ones, they're the only ones in the universe, and you know that they know better than everyone else. Um, so, I guess, I guess it is about balance. I suppose mm-hmm. um, that could be. Well, there's a there's a YouTube channel called Charisma on Command, and it's a it's basically a, a channel talking to teaching people about charisma and confidence and things like that. And they did this video, uh, interesting video, I thought on why the Jedi are messed up because of basically three reasons, things that they teach that they considered were dangerous. And one of them is about, uh, you know, fearing your emotions and trying to suppress them uh, and how that can be very problematic. Uh, It's a Vulcan. Yeah, Mm -hmm. but, you know, the thing about it is when you, you suppressing emotion and then it just starts to just pour out in very... um, unpredictable and unproductive and and sometimes self-destructive ways. And something else that they talk about is this fear that they kind of 
they develop in in, in the Jedi, um, not just in you know if you if you you know get caught up in emotion that that something terrible can happen, but they also say they they teach they dry they, they continue to teach the Jedi if you start going down the the path to the dark side, there's no coming back. Now, obviously, that's not true. Mm-hmm. Many people have come back from the dark side. Um, Darth Vader mm-hmm. came back from the dark side. And so this feeling that you can't ever screw up ever, because if you start, you know, once you go down that path, you're, you're done. That, that, kind of a, that kind of an attitude is very, again, is a very dangerous one to mm-hmm. deal with. And so I just thought it was kind of interesting you know, you had this this video. I think it was like about a year ago, and that and you get Luke Skywalker kind of saying the same things. You know, is that the Force connects all of us, but the Jedi and the Sith both have basically taken this for, and and made it their domain. Mm-hmm. And certainly, when you see the end of the movie, you realize, yeah, the Force does connect everybody together, and even a little slave boy. Mm-hmm. Who's got that little little spark of, uh, yeah? I I guess I've come to co- start calling them like the the Olivers, the uh, Lost yeah, Boys, the Olivers, um, yeah, yeah what, the little what? little orphans, mm. and it, it was so subtle. It, and I really I love the subtle stuff, you know, the the explosions and everything, but the little subtle things like the fact that Luke doesn't make uh, footprints in the salt, right? Yes, and you know that you're seeing that, and yeah. uh, the the broom just like that. Yes, he force pulls the broom. Force pulls the broom. I mean, this kid, he just, that's just part of his job. That's just part of what he does. You know, he doesn't know that it's special, that uh, he's force sensitive, I I suppose. Um, Right. Uh, so now that the uh, the novels have you know they're they're their own canon, right? And I really I only read one, um, and I I enjoyed it. It was you know Han Solo had won this planet in a card game, <laughs> and he kidnapped Princess Leia and took her to the planet. And Luke finds this group of women of Force users, and it's it was uh, a really interesting uh, a novel, and I joined I enjoyed it. Um, so now we have this whole bigger expanded universe and i've got to be honest if i don't see some bb-8 slot machines i i will <laughs> i'll be upset <laughs> oh yeah definitely and I, I like the and i forget what the the other robot the the uh the uh, first orders version of bb-8 evil bb-8 evil he BB-8. looks kind of like maximilian from uh from black black hole the black right? hole yeah, yeah at least the top part of it right exactly oh yeah, yeah he certainly had that and i'm sure and of course there's a name for him and i, I just don't remember what it is right off the bat but uh yeah i mean i i really enjoyed the film i know some people had some issues and what's kind of weird about the film is i mean normally the you know in a, in a movie if you look at the reviews the fans really like it but maybe the the, the critics don't the critics are split <laughs> What was weird about this is that the fans really seemed to love this. Uh, well, they, the, the critics, I should say, the critics were were really glowing about this movie, but it was the fans that seemed to be split, mm-hmm. which is kind of weird. Although, I, of course, I saw this. Um, it was I thought it was funny. One of the uh, hi, uh, one of the headlines for a, a um, for one of the news sources that was talking about the uh, about the about um, the Last Jedi was. After making sixty million dollars opening weekend, how is Star Wars going to ever recover? <laughs> oh, the poor, you know, oh, the poor things. Poor Luke's films. Poor yeah, Disney. Poor Disney. Yeah, <laughs> tongue firmly in cheek uh, saying that. 
that being said, I can. The truth is, I enjoyed the film. I know a lot of people enjoyed the film. I can see why some people might not, though. And I think the main reason for this, and this is this was a theme that was going through this movie a lot, is there's been a um, about this movie. There's been a lot of speculation. There's been a lot of fanboy speculation. Mm-hmm. You know, who is Snoke? Uh, who were Ray's parents? You know, um, and a lot and a bunch of other different things also that come up in this movie where there's these, Snoke these, was Gollum because he fell through the uh, he fell through Mount Doom into the other side of the galaxy exactly that was a long time ago in a galaxy far far away and well you know the thing about it is there was a there was sort of a that's an I, Andy Circus joke for those who are listening there you go <laughs> but the thing the thing about it is and I wouldn't say this is necessarily a theme of the movie as much as it was a technique that they continued to use throughout this film was it was all about subverting expectations. In other words, we've had all this time to wonder, you know, what, um, who are Ray's parents? Mm-hmm. To find out... It doesn't no, matter. <laughs> they're, no, they're nobody. Mm-hmm. You know, all this, all this uh, speculation, who is Snoke really? Well, it doesn't matter. He's, doesn't he, matter. he's, he's a, dead. Dead he's guy dead. in a gold coat. Yeah, but that's not the... I mean, that's not the only... Those aren't the only two examples. For example, you have Poe Dameron... This whole storyline of Poe Dameron coming up with his own plan to try to save, try over to save and over again. Yeah, yes. try to save everybody, mm-hmm. and it turns out, every, I mean, your expectation is he's the plan's going to succeed, and they're going to be like, "We should have listened to you." But no, nope. not only did the plan not succeed, but he was, but he was wrong. Wrong the whole time. He was wrong the entire time. And uh, Laura Dern, purple hair woman. Um, yes. I, I'm sorry, guys. I forget her character's name, but I love Laura Dern. She's mm-hmm. oh man, she looks amazing in this. She looks alieny, alieny, but but also human. And um, so what I was thinking about her is she totally pulls a William Shatner, a uh, Captain Kirk. You know, getting getting in the. Uh, in the ship and heading right toward the bad guys. I mean, that is just, that's something, you know, uh, everything that she was saying, you know, Poe, don't do, don't, don't run in head first, you know, think about what you're doing. And she just, man, that was just, yeah. love her. She, she womaned up pretty heavy. Yes. Uh-huh. You know, she was, she was no punk, but, and again, you know, and that's, that's also not the only example you have, uh, you have the whole thing between Finn and Rose, which is like we. I mean, there was all this talk that you know Finn and Poe maybe mm-hmm. people were shipping Finn and Poe, and now it's like Rose go, goes in, and again, you know, you think Finn's about ready to sacrifice himself to stop the cannon, and Rose is like, nope, nope. Uh-uh. they're not doing that. But it's something that it was. It, it was something that was continually being done in the movie. You would set up an expectation. I mean, even the first two minutes of of the movie, you have. You have Ray handing the lightsaber to Luke, and he looks at it and just tosses it. <laughs> that moment is like that was yeah the laugh out loud moment. And yeah. Another one, just uh, loving it, confusing, confusing so many people. But I, you know, knowing that it's going to be it's it's going to be uh, it's all going to turn out, you know. And um, so Yoda, can we talking about Let's Yoda? Talk Yoda. Um, when. You know, coming into it late and watching it, uh, hearing about uh, some, uh, with my D&D group, they said, okay, the guy who came up, they didn't want to, they didn't want to spoil it. So they said, the guy who was there with the tree, he was just there as a, you know, cheap plot device. 
I kind of had an idea that it was that it was a Yoda, a kind of cheap plot device just to move the plot along, and or the or uh, I guess the God in the machine is that is that the term? Deus, like, ex, ma- Deus ex machina. Like yeah, that means God in the machine. God in the machine. Uh, that they the the creators are making sure that what needs to happen is supposed to happen, protecting the hero or whatever the. The, yeah. Well, specific, but specifically where the term comes from is in Greek tragedy, what they would do is they would, um, at the end of the play, they would literally drop a, a an actor out of the rafters who played you know Zeus or whatever god, and they would just basically wave their, their magic wand and everything would be put to rights, basically. Okay. And so that's you know, God out of the machine, deus ex machina. That's where that, that comes from. And it's considered in modern storytelling to be a faux pas because you want your main characters to solve their own issues. Mm-hmm. And, what, of course, what's interesting about the whole thing of destroying the tree is it doesn't really change anything mm-hmm. because, one, you know, Yoda uh, Yoda says that whatever there is for Rey to learn, she's going to be able to learn it. I mean, mm-hmm. the books aren't that important. But... Not, not page-turners they are, you know? Yeah. And then, oh, turns out she stole them. She <laughs> took them. She took them. So, um, and it's really interesting because the, the 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 Jedi Library, this is the first time in this universe, in any movie, you've seen a book. Mm-hmm. You haven't even seen a piece of paper in this movie at all. Wow, yeah. You know, this is how, mm-hmm. you know, this it's is how big a deal. But kind of going back to this whole thing about the movie, you know, uh constantly subverting uh expectations one thing you know as an artist and i and i certainly know as a writer is that the purpose of art is to evoke an emotion Mm -hmm. that's what that's the job Mm -hmm. to evoke emotions out of your audience your Mm -hmm. reader viewer whoever sort of like the the magician doing the working behind the scenes to to make the magic trick work so that you have you know you have this feeling of wonder and and that sort of thing Mm -hmm. But very much like a magic trick, if the audience catches the magician doing the little secret stuff that they're doing, the game is over. And I think that maybe one of the issues with the movie, why some people, you know, a good number of people have had problems with it, is it's pretty obvious that they're they're kind of yanking the audience around a little bit. It's like constantly, you know, setting you up to think something's going to happen and go, nope, that's that's not what's going to happen. And you can get, I think you can get away with it to some degree, but I think, especially like M. Night Shyamalan and his twist mm-hmm. endings, when you when you see when you you see the puppet master working pulling the strings, the illusion it breaks the illusion. And I think for some people, just the constant, sub, you know, we're just going to do something completely different because we know what you're expecting this, and mm-hmm. we're going to just turn it. We're just going to completely turn it around. I think some people, even though they might not consciously realize that's you know they they couldn't say. That's what it was bothering them. I think, in a real sense, the fact that they subconsciously realized they're being manipulated, I think they kind of had a problem with it. And so I think that may be where some people may be having an issue with the movie. For me, yes, I I did kind of see that. But as a storyteller, that didn't bother me too much. Mm -hmm. I mean, I I certainly, you know, I I, I maybe would have been a little more subtle about it, to put it kind of in the background where people... Mm-hmm. Where you, you don't feel as as manipulated because here, here's the other thing too, and to kind of um, Walking Dead, 
Mm-hmm. About a season ago, people started really kind of getting away from the uh, from the Walking Dead, and a lot of people who did who quit watching the show, the the reason that they give almost universally of why they started stopped watching the Walking Dead was that last episode where Negan shows up mm-hmm. and kill somebody but you don't see who they are you know and they're like and, and it was that episode or the or the opening of the next season where of course he kills you did see who, where yeah. you saw who he killed mm-hmm. and how brutal and violent it was and people are like no no i'm i'm not i'm out i'm out mm-hmm. which is kind of funny when you think about it because it is a horror series that deals with zombies yeah uh, and a whole lot of other horrible stuff exactly. happened I, I think you know you uh one of our friends talked about uh, like well geez you know three years ago uh you know, like, uh, Beth and Maggie were all, you know, close to getting raped, and, mm-hmm. uh, so, <laughs> yeah, you that's see, just as scary. Yeah, it's yeah. just, exactly, it absolutely is, and here's the thing, though, in my opinion, I think that's the excuse that people gives, mm-hmm. I think that, I think that's the excuse that they give for that, that it was that, that was the moment, but I think it actually, I think it started before then, mm-hmm. and this was just the culmination. And I think, I think the moment, the actual moment in the series where people started having that problem that culminated at the end mm-hmm. was there was that episode when you had Nicholas and Glenn up on the, on the dumpster. They're surrounded by walkers, mm-hmm. and Nicholas is pretty yeah. milly-mouthed and weak-willed, and he's like, I, he, you know, I can't take it. Mm-hmm. Puts the gun to his head, pulls the trigger. He falls off. Winds up taking, winds up taking Glenn with him. Mm-hmm. And you have this moment where it looks like Glenn's getting his guts torn out. Right. And for two episodes, you don't know what happened. Right. But then you find out, of course, that Glenn he's had okay. He that he's, under the he's okay. Mm-hmm. But here's the problem with that scene. Who saw it? The audience, and that's it. Did it really affect anybody in the show? Mm-hmm. No, it didn't. Mm-hmm. It even though again the audience isn't going to, they may not consciously know why that scene bothered them, or why it upset them. I think the fact that it was so blatantly obvious that this was meant to uh, to manipulate the emotions of the audience. Wow! Yeah, mm-hmm. I think that that was. I think that was the turning mm-hmm. point. I think this it wasn't is, like the the revolving door where. Uh, you know, they, oh, what is the, oh, he was, uh, everybody hates Chris, that kid. And he, <laughs> his leg was busted and he and Beth escaped the, and they were in that revolving door and they were, you know, and he was, you know, don't let go and, mm-hmm. or hold on. I forget exactly what the. Right. But you see, here's the thing about it. Why that, why that scene works is because this is an interaction between two characters mm-hmm. and it affects the other character. See, that's the thing. If, if you'd have had somebody see this. And they thought, Glenn's dead. Now that scene kind of works because the thing about it is, at this point, the audience is just the, they're they're just the, uh, the, they're 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 just watching it. Mm-hmm. So it's obviously not pointed to them. They're spectators in the scene. Now they're they can be emotionally invested in it because they care about Glenn. They care about who, whoever else. Mm-hmm. But the minute you do something set uh, set up. And it's just for the audience, then it becomes obvious. So it was, at that moment, it was an obvious attempt to manipulate the audience to mm-hmm. basically, sort of like an April Fool's. And it, the thing is, the payoff was it was an April Fool's joke. You thought, because yep. they, they waited two episodes before they, they showed him that he was okay. So it was obviously a moment to kind of 
punch the audience in the gut and make them wonder about what was going on. And that's I think that's I think that was sort of the beginning of the end for a lot of people in watching the up uh, watching The Walking Dead. And I think in the same situation with with Star Wars: The Last Jedi, I think the fact that some of the the emotional manipulation in this whole thing about setting up, you know, setting up expectations and then just immediately mm-hmm. subverting them, it may have been a little too obvious. Mm-hmm. And it's just it seemed like this was these were setups to the audience. And and again, like I say, if you, if people see you manipulating, you mm-hmm. know, see you see what you're doing to manipulate the emotions of the audience, that becomes melodrama, and I think that that becomes an issue. But, again, like I said, I, I enjoyed the movie. Mm-hmm. It'll be interesting to see where they go from here, because yeah. obviously everybody thought Snoke was going to be the big bad villain, and obviously that's not going to be the case. And, uh, I guess, you know, with with uh, Snoke's death, uh, for, I guess, um, hardcore... Um, fanboys uh, who study you know Star Wars and they know like the is it the law or law of two or the rule of two with the, the Sith, Sith yes. with the Sith so they knew though you know the hardcore fanboys know that that's just a part of Kylo Ren's evolution as mm-hmm. a Sith that he has to kill his master before he becomes you know the as powerful the, the next ma- the next master I guess right um, which which I know some people are kind of upset about because they're, they're, you know, some people are thinking that Kylo's really not in a place where he's he's ready to take that. I mean, he was ruthless enough to to kill Snoke, but the truth is, is he trained enough to be as big a menace as Snoke was, and I can see why some people might have an issue with that because it's like, is he, you know. I, I, I kind of wonder. I, I, he doesn't seem menacing enough to me right now. I mean, I'm not as scared of him as I would have been of Snoke. More uh, like, I guess, walking on eggshells around him, he has intermittent ex- intermittent explosive disorder. Yeah. That he has these bursts of anger. And, you know, we saw that in the first movie. We saw it in this one. You know, not a whole lot. Uh, the, the same thing. He gets so angry and he destroys things. Um, right. So he's more unpredictable, I guess, than... Um, more likely to act on instinct mm-hmm. and emotions mm-hmm. um, rather than, you know, plotting and planning really devious uh, oh, yeah. evil deeds, I suppose. Well, certainly it makes, I mean, certainly that type of a of a character cert- would make you nervous because mm-hmm. he could go off at any moment. Right. But there's a certain menace to that type of a, uh, there's a certain menace that you don't have that type of character you just you just have a hothead mm-hmm. there's something there's a difference between that type of a character and somebody who's cold and calculating and seems to have a master plan like snoke guess um, probably did like hannibal lecter versus i don't know um the hulk i guess yeah um well what would be uh what's a good um well, explos- explosive somebody somebody who's who who just who goes off well here's mm-hmm. here's the thing about it is Usually, it's not the main villain who is that character. It's usually the hothead who could go off at any moment. It's usually the second-tier villain. That's the person you've got to kill to get to the main villain. Mm-hmm. And which Boss you, fight. The boss fight, exactly. Before you get to the boss fight, you've got to get through the hothead. The mini-boss, yeah. Exactly. You know, so... But, uh, but still, like I said, I enjoyed the film. I mean, obviously, you did, mm-hmm. and... It'll be interesting to see. Was it going to be about two years 
Well, I guess we'll, well see. We get it, Han Solo next year. We get Han Solo yeah. next year. Um, you know, and that's kind of uh, I don't know how I'm I'm doing. See, I remember way back when I was uh, in I guess college, um, when Attack of the Clones came out, and they were talking mm-hmm. about oh, this is the Star Wars chick flick. And like, well, okay. And I guess so, you know, um, <laughs> but, um, I really like, you know, seeing that in, even in the first order and in the resistance, you know, so many female pilots, you know, it's about time, uh, you know, in, in the 1970s and 1980s, we pretty much had Leia and that's all we had right. <laughs> to, to look for. Now we've got all these great, you know, characters like Rose and, uh, Billy Lord's character. I don't even know if they ever, uh, said her character's name, um, that uh, to those of you who don't know, Billy Lord is uh, Carrie Fisher's daughter, and in Last Last Jedi, she was the the blonde girl with the uh, with the buns in her hair. So um, she she got to work with her mom before she passed away. So that yeah. was really that was that made me really happy. Yeah, oh, <laughs> uh, definitely. So mm-hmm. well, so definitely a thumbs up, and uh, for for both of us, I mm-hmm. suppose. And of course, it will be interesting to see. Um, where where the Star Wars universe goes from here, certainly. Yes. Um, especially now that uh, uh, the possibility of, of Fox being bought out. Mm-hmm. And so all those Star Wars rights wind up coming back to Disney. And so that's going to allow them to open up a whole bunch of stuff. Right. Yeah. We could, uh, one day, if we're very lucky, we might get the Star Wars Christmas special remastered. <gasps> oh, how... <laughs> Ouch. Happy life day to everyone. Yes, oh, happy life day. Fighting the frizzies at 11, guys. Yes, indeed. So, I, I won't See take... Chewie's family again. There you go, Chewie's, <laughs> Chewie's family. So, I, I won't take too long on this, uh, but last night I did see the uh, Doctor Who Christmas, Christmas special, special Twice Upon a Time. Wow. I, uh-huh. um, I, I went there by myself, but I ran into a couple of friends of mine, Sean Excellent. and uh, Carrie McCracken, mm-hmm. which... Uh, which, uh, for those of you who who might not know, if you go on YouTube, they have a channel. The two of them have a channel called Mysterious West Virginia. It's sort of CSI West Virginia. Mm-hmm. Basically, they they investigate cold cases, West Virginia murders that mm-hmm. that the the uh, the murderer was never found, and they go over the cases and they 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 show a lot of the evidence, and in an attempt to basically kind of to. Could you maybe, put a link in the comments? I will do that. Uh-huh. I will do that. Um, and as a matter of fact, there's one video that I'm one of the voiceovers. For. Oh, very cool. So, yes. So if you're listening to this, look down, guys. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> if you're on, on um, if you're on YouTube, uh, you can search, it'll the link will probably be in the. I'll go ahead and put that in the comment section, and however else you you listen to it, I'll try to put a link in also. Awesome. But uh, it was funny because we were watching it, and. And I won't go into too much, uh, too many spoilers, because I know you haven't, you Mm-mm. know, you're still. But it's funny, it's like you're not caught up, but I was talking to them after the, after the, uh, the showing, uh, after the showing, and, and Carrie was like, uh, she said, I, boy, I really like this character of Bill, which is this fe- uh, female companion who comes back for the Christmas special. He says, I really like her a lot. I can't wait to, to see the, you know, to see that season that she's in, it's like, oh, you haven't seen the last episode of of uh, Capaldi's Doctor, and uh, he said, oh, no, no, we're we're uh, we haven't got got that far yet. We're still mm-hmm. in Colin Baker. I'm like, what? Oh, they started from what? 
See, because here's the thing. What I found out was... I know Carrie uh, cosplays uh, William first, Hartnell, yeah, number she, one. She does. She Carrie uh-huh. plays... See, what they did was there's a, there's a Netflix for British television called BritBox. Have you heard of this? I... Mm, sounds familiar, but maybe... Yeah, well, so basically BritBox, okay. uh, they have pretty much all the episodes of Doctor Who. Wow. Of, of the old uh, Doctor mm-hmm. Who. So what they've been doing is... They started with Hartnell, and they've been going An through... An unearthly child, and going, wow. Yes, they started from there, so they're right in the middle of the Colin, who's the sixth doctor. Yeah, I was about Colin, to say, that's after, um, that's after, you know, Jenny's dad, and, oh, that, wow. David, Peter Davison. Peter Davison, yeah. Exactly, wow. so they're in the middle, they're kind of in the middle of, of, um, of Colin Baker's, and then, of course, they got Sylvester McCoy to, 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 to go to. Mm-hmm. Then after they watched the Doctor Who movie, Paul, yeah, with the, Paul McGann, uh-huh, the American movie, <laughs> the American movie, yes. the the strange American uh-huh. cousin. Now they're going to be able to start with New Who. Yeah. So that's how far back they that's, go. That's going to be wow. That, I just think you know going from that to right in right into uh, Christopher Eccleston. That's going to be that's that's going to be, be different. Yeah, uh-huh. it's going to be different mm-hmm. and because of course New Who. There's a lot of, I mean. Obviously, not a whole lot of people in rubber suits. So, <laughs> Otons. Yeah, yeah. They, they they figured out what CGI is. So, um, awesome. But uh, I, I thought that was interesting. I thought that was funny yes. because it's like, I know that you're a little bit behind, but uh, not as far. Not as far, as, no. Uh-uh. It's like, this was the 12th Doctor, and mm-hmm. they're still checking out the 6th Doctor. Uh-huh. So... Which I think, it, again... But, you I know, just, I haven't seen all the the classic episodes. I've seen some of each Doctor. You know, a mm-hmm. little bit of... I've seen most mostly of uh, of uh, Tom Baker. Uh, but, you know, a little bit of Hartnell, a little bit of uh, Pertwee. All, you know, all the way up through McCoy. And I saw the, the very last episode in 1989 um, about the cat people. and uh, Survival. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. So... Yes. And, uh, well, I will say this. I don't want to go, again, I don't want to go into a whole lot of details about the, the Christmas special. But um, I will say that there were a couple of scenes I would have loved to have seen that I didn't get a chance to see. The first one, not that big of a deal, but if you remember the 50th anniversary, you have Peter Capaldi's 12th Doctor going back to help the other Doctors mm-hmm. save Gallifrey. Right. Well... Thir- ah, yes, all 13. You just see his eyes and he says yes. 13. But we don't have that scene where that happens. So hmm. it, so you never have that moment where he does actually, you see the, the situation where he goes back. Okay. Not that big of a deal. But again, not going into too many spoilers, there was a scene that I really expected to see. And once I saw the setup for the for the show, I really, really, really expected to see and didn't get a chance to see and i think i think that was in this situation it was i, I think it was a dropped ball because mm-hmm. i think this would have been wonderful to have seen which of course was the first doctor being reunited with susan oh yes because he did prom- he did he did promise her he'd come back mm-hmm. and that would have been a really wonderful moment to do that would have been in that episode because oh. it was really set up that that would have been so easy to have done yeah. and the fact that they didn't was i have to admit was a little disappointing to me but besides like it's yeah, you I know hear that bbc <laughs> but you know it's like you need to fire stephen moffat what are you gonna say right 
Uh, all right. <laughs> it's like, yeah, he's out of here. He's gone. Uh, he's gone. He's gone. But I mean, besides, like I said, and I consider those nitpicks. But I really, I really did enjoy. Uh, I really did enjoy the the uh, the send off. It was it was everything you expected with Christmas. You know the. The, the 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 jokes you know the humor but also mm-hmm. the, very the touching heart. Yeah. the heart in it and they use a little piece of history that i hadn't even thought about until till you get to toward the end and i'm like wait a minute i know what this is there was a there was something there was a historical moment hmm. that the doctor is able to use to solve the problem that he finds himself in and at, at, honestly that's all i want to say okay about about that um i will say that i uh, when i of course this is the, the you do get to see the the uh the regeneration. regeneration i did see that scene yes with that, the 13th doctor yeah mm-hmm. and i made i'm i made the comment i'm like i'm just waiting to hear i'm just i'm just waiting to hear it's like somebody say somebody somewhere on the internet's going to make the comment she was a you know, the doctor was a woman for five seconds. Suddenly, she can't drive. Yeah, but they they can't say that for the twelve doctors before her exactly. either. <laughs> but yeah, you're right. I mean, as I soon waiting. as a woman takes it, takes the wheel, it's like yeah, so they crash the you mm-hmm. know. But you know, the funny, the, I, well, I won't say funny, but it's like it. I said that, kind of joking, yeah. but kind of thinking it was going to happen because sometimes people on the internet, you know, people on there the internet, was a meme. yeah, they're you know, it's. It's already yeah, a bunch of people. Oh, already. of course. It wasn't just one person. Yep. It was uh-huh. a ton of people. Uh-huh. I, you know, so, well, hopefully you've worked it out of your system now, guys. So <laughs> we can we can go on, we can go on with our lives. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much. And so I am very much looking forward to uh, to Jodie Whittaker taking the reins. And and what I will say this, and I don't think I really mentioned this before, but it was kind of. When they were revealing who the thirteenth Doctor was going to be, there was something in me that was just like, "Please let it be a woman. Please mm-hmm. let it be a woman. Please let it be a woman." I mean, I'd heard kind of rumors, but I didn't expect it. But I really, really wanted it, and the reason I did was because I think the strength of the show mm-hmm. is is basically the variety of of the show. It's mm-hmm. like you can have it, you can take the story anywhere, and I think honestly, anytime you say, "Well, the Doctor can't be blank." I mean, obviously, you, you don't sure? want the doctor to be a villain. Uh, you know, you don't want you know, the doctor to be cowardly or mm-hmm. selfish or 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 anything like that. But I think that the minute you really start to limit what the doc, who the doctor is, you kind of wreck the story. And mm-hmm. so, to say the doctor can't be a person of color, that the doctor can't be a woman, I think that that really weakens the character in a way that, for me. You know, isn't worth it, and so I'm really glad to see that we're gonna we're gonna be able to see what Jodie Whittaker does with oh, this. Oh yeah, and I think just opening up all the so many so many different stories just now through the eyes of someone like I was I was we were talking earlier about I want to see an episode uh, where this doctor meets Jenny because seeing her daughter, you know, now that you th- that she thought was dead. And then seeing her not now with a maternal eye, right. and getting to see her come back—that I think that's that could be something really powerful. And well, special. it'd be interesting to see uh, to see how that happens. But of course, we're not going to know anything until many some, a year. In the fall. <laughs> well, the fall. The but, fall. Uh, many. So I, I think they are starting to shoot now, but it, it'll be again. What What's going to be interesting is, and it's, well, when you saw the um, 
you did see the regeneration mm-hmm. scene, and you saw the ring dropping off of off of her hand, off the Doctor's hand, mm-hmm. which is a really nice homage to the first Doctor, because the first Doctor wore a ring, and when he mm-hmm. regenerated into the second Doctor, the ring fell off his hand because mm-hmm. his hands were smaller. Mm-hmm. And again, this is sort of that nod to the first Doctor, which is interesting when you think about it, because Peter Capaldi, they call him the Twelfth Doctor, but he's really the first Doctor of the new regeneration cycle. Right. So mm-hmm. it's, in a sense, it's first Doctor meets first Doctor. Mm-hmm. You know. So, but again, now you have this kind of a thread of the Doctor being, you know, I've lived too long. And I mean, that went back to David Tennant. Mm-hmm. You know, a Time Lord lives too long. And so there's going to be that, I think that that's going to be something that, that that's going to be a part of the character until at least the Doctor in a sense, is able to either either deal with it or or come up with come up with uh, with some sort of you know philosophy about it is you know it's going to be like you know when when is en- when is it enough mm-hmm. and this again when you and this is of course I to the people who've seen seen the episode Heaven Sent you're going to know what I'm talking about you're not you're not nope. necessarily mm-hmm. going to know. But that whole theme of why can't I lose? Why this once can I just let me? Why can't I just lose? Let me just lose this one. And wow, that's mm-hmm. all I can. Okay. Uh, that's all I can say about that. But and again, I gotta get you caught up on yep. Doctor Who. But uh, yeah. that that's one of the the biggest mind trips of of the David Capaldi Doctor is. Heaven sent is this this mo I mean this this moment where he wants to quit, mm-hmm. and you're like I can see why yeah <laughs> I can see why he it's wants ancient. to quit. And, mm-hmm. Well, it, I mean, <laughs> yeah this this takes that situation and cranks it up to eleven. Ah, this one goes up to eleven. <laughs> it goes up to eleven. Um, well, in this case, twelve. But <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it is a again. It's one of those episodes that you're less like oh my it's it's relentless and it's so very well written but it's also again you're just like oh <laughs> it's like what could be like the worst situation you could wind you could find yourself in and it's that's pretty much it mm-hmm. and the doctor has to sacrifice a lot no snickering out there you know what i'm talking about but he has to sacrifice a lot to get out of this situation that's all I'm going to say. And okay. yes, it's kind of punny for me to say that. Mm-hmm. But he has to sacrifice a, a lot, lot. To, to get out of this situation. And so, and I mean, this even goes back to uh, Matt, uh, Matt Smith's The Doctor. Um, with the uh, the gangers. You remember the uh, the uh, creatures that, uh, the, the slave creatures that were that came out of a vat? And the Ood? No, no. Okay. No, these, uh, the gangers were were creatures that um, they were slaves and they could be they could look like humans and one of them one of them turned into basically the doctor so there was like two versions of the doctor huh okay uh, this yeah. was back in the uh, this was back in the Rory um, okay. Amy days and yeah. there was this point where the uh, the ganger doctor was having issues dealing with um, the actual doctor's memories because there was all these different mm-hmm. you know people running around it's, in his head this right. whole thing about you know i just it's like i have to let them go i have to let them go and they were all kind of screaming in his head for 
you know, position, you know, it's like who, which mm-hmm. I, I got all these voices and they're me, you know. And so, I mean, it goes back to that far, but this whole idea of time lords have a regeneration limit for a reason. Mm-hmm. And one of the curses of the time war was they lifted that, that embargo for the soldiers for obvious reasons. You don't want your soldiers dying on the field. You want them to regenerate mm-hmm. and go back to fighting. Right. And because they lifted that embargo. The Valkyries. Yeah, yeah. They lifted that embargo and it really started to drive people insane. And so this idea of, of, of living, that there, that there has to be an end. Right. And this is something that the doctor is struggling with because he feel, he's getting to a point, well, now at this point I would mm-hmm. say she, mm-hmm. is getting to the point where she's is, is thinking, you know, well, one more life. Is mm-hmm. that going to kill anybody? But after that, there has to be an end to this. The, you have to get off, as the doctor put it, the treadmill of just constantly saving the universe, saving the universe, saving the universe. So, And that's going to be interesting to see how that develops yeah. uh, in the new series. So, Well, for the last few moments, um, uh, of course, uh, this is going to be the last uh, This is going to be the last podcast of the year. Yep. We got New 2017. Year's. 2017. Oh. And so New Year's is coming sleep. up. Mm-hmm. 2018's coming up. Uh, do you have any geeky New Year's resolutions? Anything that you oh, want to do? Um, hmm. Uh, well, I I do think I want to try uh try to find a a convention a con to go to because mm-hmm. I really on, I only do local cons uh because I I fear crowds I fear strangers and so maybe step out of my comfort zone and step out and maybe find an out of town con somewhere and um, horror sci fi I'm not sure what yet oh but, yeah that, uh-huh. that well that's I haven't done a, I haven't done a convention in a long time I'd like mm-hmm. to do that again certainly but it has been a, has Is been a while. Con? Well, Shaka Khan is a local con. Yeah, local con. Mm-hmm. I've been doing the, you know, Shaka Khan. Mm-hmm. I call it my home con. Yeah, and I do, <laughs> and and I've gone to a couple of pop cons here in, in West mm-hmm. Virginia, but you know, the biggest c- convention I went to would have been Rue Morgue's Festival of Fear, which is actually one of like five conventions going on in this this one area. And it's like twenty five, thirty thousand people in one shot. I, mm-hmm. I I don't suggest that you dive into the deep end yeah. of the pool there. But there's some, there's some. You're maybe like a Wizard World or. Yeah, something. well, there's a bunch mm-hmm. of con- different conventions. We, and, you know, and who knows? Uh, I know John Berriman's going to be somewhere, and if I could meet Sean Patrick Flannery, I would just, I would be go. fine. <laughs> yeah, I think for, I think for me, yeah, there you go. I think for me, this, uh, for next year, I mean, there's a bunch of things that I want to do, but I think on the geeky side, there've been a few sci-fi novels some classic sci-fi novels that i've mm. not had a chance to dig into hugo I, award winners oh yeah I yeah would, uh, mm-hmm. uh delgren i want to get a chance to read that i've never read that and i haven't read the first dune and so oh. I, I think mm-hmm. i want to kind of dig into those i've i've read a lot of horror fiction this year a lot of classic novels i've either read for the first time or have revisited Mm -hmm. and i think it's time for maybe a little bit of change of pace i want to kind of dip into the sci-fi side of things so i want to kind of pick up a pick up a a few of these novels that are classics but i haven't really had a chance to really kind of dig into and i think that's what i'm going to look for in 2018 and so uh, that's for me so sounds good uh, so the next time we meet it's going to be 2018 2018 so all right happy new year you guys yeah, happy <laughs> thanks new for year. listening <laughs> yes and so until next time this is uh for mandy patrick this is brian hatcher reminding you that the geek shall inherit the earth happy 2017 we'll talk to you next time bye